Carter. I'm Eloa. And I'm Erin. And if you don't know three black bitches who love true crime, you do now. This is the I Ain't a Killer podcast. Hey friends. Happy Pride. Move over, I'm gay. (laughs) 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 We out here. Yes. Um, Welcome back, y'all. I guess we can start the podcast out with our little announcement. We had y'all vote. (laughs) What's the saying? And it was close. Yeah, it It was was close. 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 We polled on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for participating. Yeah. But one of our faves won. Yes. Y'all are really cool because y'all have the same taste, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Drum roll. Killer bees! Killer bees! I like it. It's so cute. Yeah. It is cute. Yeah. It's so cute. Whoever suggested that, I think actually a a couple people suggested it. Like different people came up with it. So it's so cute. And now we can't be the little uglies, (laughs) Jim. We can't be the anchors. (laughs) Y'all appreciate that. Thank you for all the suggestions. (laughs) But yeah, no, that was cute. That Otherwise, was we cute. have a little fan base, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank y'all so much for listening and I don't know, being consistent because these numbers are going up. I'm like, who, who are these people perceiving me? Stop <laughs> it! Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that it? What, did we have one more thing? I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. We've been saying we okay. We meet at four o'clock to start recording. I want y'all to know that it's four forty nine. We just get over here and start to talking. Yeah. The first part is catching up and then figuring out what we're gonna talk about for mm-hmm. the show. But yeah, we talk through so many things before we start recording. We don't even be knowing where to start sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess we can just go right into our current and crime. Current and crime. Well, you know, anytime there's a holiday weekend here in Atlanta, people go. To the infamous Lake Lanier. I can't quite understand why they do. I'll never get it. They do. Um, So I'm going to read this quick article, the title of which says, 20-year-old drowns at Margaritaville at Lake Lanier. First of all, I didn't even know until this past week that Lake Lanier had a Margaritaville. Yeah, I had no clue. I think it's barely new. Um, It says, a 20-year-old was found dead after rescuers pulled his body from the waters of Margaritaville on Lake Lanier Sunday afternoon. Game wardens in the area used side-scan sonar to locate the man. His body was recovered by the Hall County Fire Department. It is unclear what led to the drowning. His identity has not been revealed at this time. It comes just one day after a five-year-old child in Clear Creek on Lake Alatino went missing. Mm. The young boy's body was found in approximately six feet of water. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, I didn't know about that. Mm. And it's six feet. How old is he? Five. I just got separated. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. That is so... And the fact, literally, all of these drownings, they never know how yeah that shit is so scary yeah didn't um it was like usher stepson or something yeah like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usher's and they, that was a boating accident yeah specifically and it's always some weird shit going on with like Lanier. people always go to like Lanier and they say that like they felt something pulling them down mm-hmm. or something yeah it's always some some super weird shit it's never like normal circumstances with any of these drownings or people having these you know experiences at like Lanier. and yeah. it's just 
Y'all don't go live there. Just don't do it. Don't ever. It's not. There's other water. There's other water. There's a lot of pools and stuff. So many lakes. There's so many waterfalls in Georgia. It's ridiculous. Just like do not go on, please. I mean, it's a step for anybody who who somehow has not gotten the memo yet. Lake Lanier is haunted. Yes, because it is a literal town that was uh, flooded. Yeah, Yeah. on purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. By white supremacists. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, a whole bunch of people died when they, like, when they fled the town or, like, got displaced. There was a whole bunch of stuff that happened, like, before they pushed people out of the town to flood it. Yeah. Like, a bunch of violence and, like, um, lynchings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but they say, like, there's, you can still, the tops of, like, the buildings that they flooded and stuff are right there. Not right below the surface, but enough. Oh, like, yeah. It's just, I mean, when the water level gets low, you can start seeing oh, stuff. Right. Cars floating so and stuff. I've heard that the sucking thing that people feel, I mean, one, it could be attributed to just like ghosts and spirit, but also I've heard that there are giant catfish that exist at the bottom of the lake heard that, that can like too. suck you down, like when they open their mouths. I heard that there was like a truck. Did you hear this? A truck that was like transporting chickens. Like oh, when it was down there, yeah, like it got in an accident or something, and all the chickens fell in the lake, and then all these like big ass catfish were just eating whole chickens. Fucking gross. I also just already don't do lakes because I don't like still like fresh water. Like I don't know, it feels slimy to me. Like it stresses me out. But like I'm definitely not going to Lake Lanier. Mm -hmm. I'm not fighting no giant superhuman catfish. I'm not fighting the spirit. Like (laughs) I'm not doing any of that. Not doing any of those things. Somebody tweeted. um, I thought it was pretty to the point. this is from at, at Big Body Bay. If you tell me you're going to Lake Lanier, I'm going to take that as a suicide attempt. If you invite me, I'm going to take that as a threat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. Like, Literally. Like, Literally. Like, no, I'm not. We're not friends anymore. I'm not saying. Like, Nobody I'm friends with would even suggest Because that. either you right. want harm done to me or you don't care about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I can't rock with either. Neither. It's too dangerous. No. And I think some people go because they have that whole like intrigue around going to something that's haunted or something. You know how people want to go see like I don't know, some big abandoned mansion no. or something like that. Do you care about your life? Right. Like, <laughs> no. Go to a haunted house if you want to be scared so bad. That's what I'm saying. Or turn on a movie. <laughs> right. It's we so many of them. I'm shocked. You're not going to Lake Lanier for a tour. You're going to get in the water. Right. Exactly. To enjoy, enjoy, quote unquote. I'm surprised they haven't made, maybe they have some type of like true crime story about Lake Lanier. Like a show or something. I'm surprised there isn't like a feature length, but yeah, like a yeah. Netflix or Or a even like a movie adaptation. Yeah. Right. It should be in the works because, I mean, this has been happening for years. You know what? Because it was mostly black people, they're probably not going to do it. Because the only reason why we even got that in the first place was because of um, uh, the only reason why we even got that in the first place uh, for Tulsa was um, uh, Watchmen. Mm. That was literally the first time that I had ever seen a show with fiction or documentary or anything of like going into detail about what happened Mm. and like. What what it could possibly be like for the descendants and stuff like that. Yeah. So unless like some I don't know Netflix true crime drama or some. Really, well, you thing. should write it. Yeah, you do Ooh. writing. <laughs> I should <You> write. write. <laughs> <laughs> Let me add it to the list of a million things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, who got to connect to somebody with someone? Jordan Peele or Charles Kennedy? Somebody. somebody. Oh, Jordan Peele would. I would love. Oh to my see god. That. That that yeah. would be awesome. Be I mean, Charles Gambino did, like, we were just saying the Atlanta episode was, like, a little yeah. nod to it, but... If I had a benefactor to pay all my bills, and I could just sit there and work on my writing, 
I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's some fan fiction yeah. or something out there. Whoa. I don't know. But yeah. I'm gonna like Lanier. <sighs> no, oh, yes, please don't. Please don't. Oh. And you know, hope the baby's family yes. gets closure. Um Yeah, I hope they find peace because mm-hmm. that's a terrible un- like unspeakable situation. Mm-hmm. And nobody can say enough thoughts and prayers and send enough love for anything like that that's absolutely terrible what do safety precautions look like at LA I guess I really don't know because I really don't like a life vest like a life vest but like what are like the rules like is there a certain amount of boats that could be on the water Mm -hmm. at the amount of time like are there like uh is there a safety patrol I don't know there are lifeguards I haven't seen any I I went to I don't be fucking with ladies like that either because I'm just not even like a big swimmer and Mm -hmm. so if I'm gonna go anywhere I'm just gonna dip my feet in the water but the last time I went to the lake, I was at Lake Alatuna, mm-hmm. and it, I didn't see any lifeguards. I didn't see anybody yeah. monitoring the boats or anything like mm-hmm. that. And the boats, I mean, you can get kind of close to the shore of the boats. It wasn't, like, super close, but it was, like, if you swim out, you could get hit, that type shit. So I yeah. think people just stayed close to the shore. But, yeah, um, I didn't see anything like that. But, I mean, even then, I can kind of I can kind of see how a five-year-old could get lost if they were, like, running into the water or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... It's just too many people around looking. Like, it's just, I, I've never been to Lake Lenny. So it's just like, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to envision, like, who should have been looking out or, you know, any of that. I would, I would never even try to, like, blame anybody's family or yeah. the public for not catching them or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, from what I saw at Lake Alatuna, it was just too much space for people to, it was just too many opportunities for people to, like, see somebody yeah. running into the water for that to happen while I was there. Yeah. Wasn't there somebody who died at Lake Lanier recently? Not this, mm-hmm. but before that. Do y'all um, remember that, or am I making that up? I I don't like. I don't within remember. this year. Yeah, I'm not sure. The last one I remember was like towards the like in like fall of last year. I don't know why. I got like, attention because I feel like people die there pretty regularly. Yeah, in my head, I have this like memory of some video of like. Oh, a boat catching on fire. Was like, that what that. it is? I remember that. I can't remember. Like, I, I just have this memory of a video of, like, people searching for somebody. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of it, but. It probably, you're probably not wrong. It just happened so much that <laughs> right. people can't even remember anymore. It's like right. all these damn shootings. But that's a whole yeah. story. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will be back with our main story. Okay, we are back with our main story, and I'm the lead investigator. (laughs) Okay, so um, this is called the Alphabet Murders. Y'all heard of this? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Yeah, I never heard of this. Because I always be like, no, and then y'all get this story. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have quite a few content warnings. This one's a, a tough one. Um, kidnapping, sexual sexual assault of minors, rape, murder, strangulation, extreme physical abuse, mention of domestic violence, mention of suicide, and mention of torture. Okay, so... The Alphabet Murders are a series of child murders that occurred between 1971 and 1973 in Rochester, New York. Um, So we can go ahead and get started. And I know we just did a story about somebody in Rochester, but I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been one of you. Was it yours? Oh, Um, no, I don't remember. Because my sister went to college there, and I feel like it just like, yeah. 
Anyway, okay, so <laughs> we are going to start with Carmen Cologne. So um, on at 4.20 p.m. on November 16th, 1971, 10-year-old Carmen Cologne vanished while returning home from an errand in Rochester, New York. She was coming from a local pharmacy where her grandmother had asked her to pick up a prescription, and she usually went there with her grandfather, but on this particular day, she pleaded to be alone. She was, like, looking for independence or something. So she went by herself, and eyewitnesses saw Carmen entering the pharmacy on West Main Street, and she left quickly after being told that the prescription wasn't ready yet. So these eyewitnesses said that she told the store owner, whose name is Jack Corbin, she said, I gotta go, I gotta go. And then she got into a car that was parked close to the pharmacy. So at 4.20 p.m., she was driven away. And less than an hour later, motorists along Interstate 490 made the final sighting of Carmen Cologne. So after 50 minutes after Carmen was said to leave, have left the pharmacy, police received multiple, multiple reports from at least 70 witnesses that were driving alongside the interstate saying that they had seen a child that was naked from the waist down. She was running from a reversing vehicle that was believed to be a dark-colored Ford Pinto hatchback. She was frantically waving her arms, and she was shouting in an attempt to flag down a passing vehicle. Despite her attempts, no one intervened. What the fuck? Yeah, so that's 70 witnesses, and I'm sure it was even more than that. It was said that they assumed the man that was trying to get her into the car was her father. Now... What? Make it make sense. She didn't she's have any pants the on. Down, and she's clearly, even if that is her dad, this person is clearly in distress. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's running away from this person. Right. Mm-hmm. So I still, I'm going to pull over and ask some questions. Right. Like, I don't, what? I know. So fucked up. So at least one of these witnesses observed Carmen being submissively led back into the car by this person. And Carmen was reported missing to the Rochester Police Department at 7.50 p.m. So two days later, two teenage boys discovered Carmen Cologne's partially nude body in a ravine that wasn't far from Interstate 490, which is very close to the village of Churchville. So this was about 12 miles from the last place that Carmen had been seen alive by all those witnesses. They didn't do shit. And her coat was discovered about 300 feet from her body. And her pants were discovered on November 30th, which was 12 days after her body was discovered. And they were close to the service road where at least 80 murder, mur- motorists, well, now they're saying 80, but had um, observed her attempting to escape her abductor. So um, trigger warning for these next things that are coming up, but they did an autopsy and it revealed that she had been raped. She had suffered a fracture to her skull. One of her vertebrae had been fractured before she had been manually strangled to death. And her body also had extensive scratches on it from fingernails. So the public was outraged when the story hit the media, both Carmen's mother and the fact that no one who had seen her trying to run away um, attempted to help. So the public was pissed off. Um, The Times Union and the Democrat and Chronicle, which are two New York papers, They initially offered a combined reward of $2,500 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of her murderer. And all of that information was then to be relayed to the police. 
Um, a lot of local businesses and residents in Rochester also added private donations to a reward fund that exceeded $6,000, and that would be $40,000 in today, today's money. So tips and information poured in and the police interrogated a lot of suspects in the months following her murder and all of these suspects were cleared of involvement. So by December 21st, the number of investigators assigned to the case on a full-time basis was decreased to three. So eventually investigators began to focus on a single strong suspect and this is Miguel Colon, who is Carmen's uncle. Miguel was the brother of Carmen's father Justiniano. Justiniano. Um, And following the separation of Carmen's parents, Miguel actually formed a relationship with Carmen's mother, Guillermina, and they started like having a relationship with him as Uncle Miguel. So Miguel is her father's brother, Mm -hmm. but he started having a closer relationship with her mother after they separated. Okay. Strange. It is strange. (laughs) I've seen that happen. Well, I've seen that happen. It'd be different if he died to me. Like, yeah. if I'm with someone, and then we have kids, and then their sibling tries to push up on me after me and that person break up. You mean relationship as a romantic relationship? They didn't like... specify. Okay. It, there's no other details, but they didn't specify. That, that's, I guess that's just how they were trying to say that Miguel stayed in relationship with Carmen because mm. he was close with her mom. It could be either or. If he was trying to push up on her, then yeah, that is weird. But then also... I think sometimes, like, if you have an attachment to the kids or, like, if y'all just were close anyway, they would still be friends afterwards. I yeah, I yeah. Know. I don't, I, I mean, the details aren't there, it, but I, I think it's weird, but I guess it does depend on, like, what the relationship between the parents ended up being like. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm coming in with the lens of, the, of what's already being implied. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. But if it is, like, a familial relationship, like, if he still saw his sister-in-law is like, like a sister, sister. Yeah. yeah but, but you know, I don't, it, it might just be like he's trying to stay close with this his niece which is yeah. creepy <laughs> a lot more things than creepy so just weeks before Carmen was abducted and murdered her uncle is known to have purchased a car that closely matched the vehicle that the eyewitnesses saw reversing on the interstate so investigators conducted a search of Miguel's car, and they found that the interior and exterior had been extensively cleaned, and the trunk had been washed with a strong cleaning solution. So they also questioned the dealership that so- sold Miguel the car, and they said that they didn't wash it <laughs> before they sold him the car. So, um, Also, a doll belonging to Carmen was found in his car. Oh, my God. But that was explained away by Carmen's relatives, who told investigators that she frequently traveled in Miguel's car and she could have left her toy there. So also, according to a friend of Miguel's, just two days after the death of Carmen, Miguel had told him that he intended to leave the country as he had, quote, done something wrong in Rochester. He then relocated from Rochester to Puerto Rico just four days after Carmen had been murdered. Wow. No. Some (laughs) really suspicious. Um, So meanwhile, in early 1972, five large billboards, each measuring 30 feet by 12 feet, were put up alongside major Rochester expressways. And each billboard had an eight feet tall picture of Carmen Colon with the headline, Do You Know Who Killed Carmen Colon? And there's pictures of this all over the place. We'll put it on the Instagram. So the Rochester Outdoor Advertising Company gave free use of these billboards to try to attract some attention to the case. And each of the billboards offered $6,000 reward for any information. And it also displayed a telephone hotline number and encouraged the public to submit 
anonymous info. So several leads came from these billboards, but they didn't come of anything. In March of 1972, investigators went to San Juan to um, question Miguel, but the local press somehow found out and they publicized the trip and the intentions of the trip. Miguel was able to take flight and go on the run. I don't even know how the hell that happened. Right. So on March 26, he finally surrendered to authorities and was extradited back to Rochester. He had no credible alibi for his whereabouts, and there was no one that corro- that could co- corroborate. That word is hard. Corroborate. I'm saying everything but. Um, the cosine. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so they couldn't corroborate his uh, claims that he wasn't the person who committed the murder. So even though he had no alibi, his car was bleached down, and he tried to run, there was no physical evidence that located him at the crime scene or... Um, within his car that linked him to the murder. So the police were forced to let him go. Yikes. Um, at this point in the story, many people agree that Miguel was Carmen's killer, but this isn't the end. And on April of 1973, a second young girl was murdered. So just 17 months after the murder of Carmen Cologne, at around 5 p.m. on April 2nd, 1973, 11-year-old Wanda Walkowitz disappeared from the east side of Rochester while returning home from an errand. According to the owner of the store that Wanda was told to visit, she had purchased groceries at about 5.15 p.m. before she started walking down Conkey Avenue, where some of her last sightings from witnesses happened. Um, Some witnesses reported her struggling to carry her bag near Avenue B. Three kids from her class also saw her resting her bag against a fence as she struggled to hold on to it. They also saw a brown car driving past her as she did, and other witnesses say that they saw her standing beside the car's open door, uh, maybe accepting a ride as the bag was too heavy for her to carry. And this is why Miguel is locked up. No, Miguel is out. They couldn't hold him because they didn't have any physical evidence. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The timeline ain't making no sense. Because I thought that this was like, this had to have been like before he got out. So like, no, he, they just questioned him and they couldn't, they couldn't physically connect him. So they just had to be like, okay. So even though the last sighting of Wanda was just 0.2 miles from her home, she never returned and she was reported missing by her mother, Joyce, at 8 p.m. So Rochester police treated Wanda's vanishing with urgency. They had about 50 detectives that searched um, several square miles around her home, the store that she was running the errand at, in in areas of the Genesee River where she was known to play, and they were not able to locate her during those searches. So at 10.15 the next day, a single police officer found Wanda Walkowitz's fully clothed body at the base of a hillside along an access road to State Route 104 in Webster. This was about seven miles from Rochester. So the location and position of her body indicated that she had been killed and then thrown from a moving car. Yikes. And her body had rolled down the embankment. Oh, my God. So another trigger warning for what her autopsy um, reveals, she had been sexually assaulted. She had then been strangled from behind with a ligature. They think it was a belt. Several defensive wounds indicated that Wanda fought her attacker like hell, and it was determined that her body had been redressed after her death. There were traces of semen and pubic hair found on her body, 
And lastly, there were um, several strands of white cat hair on her clothing, and her family didn't own a white cat. So just like Carmen Cologne, investigators created an anonymous hotline, and they put flyers all over Rochester asking for information. The reward this time was $10,000 for any information. And um, these methods actually produced an eyewitness that informed investigators that he had observed Wanda standing alongside the passenger door of a large brown vehicle talking to the driver. He, the um, witness said that he was unable to get a clear view of the dri- of the car's driver, but he saw this that um, he saw this happening 0.2 miles from Wanda's home. So another individual contacted investigators and said that he had seen a man forcing a red-haired girl matching Wanda's description into a light-colored Dodge Dart on Conkey Avenue between 5.30 and 6, the night of her disappearance. The Rochester Police Department dismissed any connection, any suggestion of a link between the murders of Carmen Cologne and Wanda Walkowitz. All right, y'all, we'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge c***? Us too. Wait, can we even say c***? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Ballastone, a.k.a. the drag queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess? And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch, a gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch while we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy and cunty with us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big cu- Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. On the big c***y couch. Mwah. Why? I don't, I, I, I mean, I, you're <laughs> the police. Right. And I feel like the police departments are always rejecting and afraid to name that, like, there may be someone completing multiple murders. And it would be nice to think that that's because they want to keep people calm and, like, prevent hysteria. But it really just has to do with their reputation and how right. they're being perceived, which is just so fucked up. Like, you're not going to warn people that they should keep be a closer careful. eye on their children, like, and be alarmed and, like, not let them go to the corner store by themselves. Like, right. this uh, seems like important things. It, and also what, I mean, I know hysteria can get really bad when people are, you know, panicking or whatever, but in this case, what's the worst that could come of it? Like, people, people keep their kids in the house. Right, right. That's it? Like, y'all want people to walk around at, what, 2 a.m.? Like, what is it that you don't, that you want keep people to keep doing so that you don't cause some some panic. They're going to watch the news more and they're going to be in the house more. That's it. Right. So, I don't know. Police get on my nerves. So, they cited the way that these young girls were murdered and disposed of is the words that they used. That it was too different for it to be the same perpetrator. Um, the But the sheriff sergeant that had been assigned to Carmen's murder, which was at this time still an open, although largely an active case, the same sheriff sergeant from that case was reassigned to the task force implemented to investigate the murder of Wanda. So that to me that that seems like they kind of felt like they were connected, but they like you said they didn't want to publicly make that statement. In September of 1973, a local TV network, um, WOKR, they announced their plans to broadcast a televised reconstruction of Wanda's abduction in subsequent recovery of her body. The 30-minute episode was broadcast on October 21st, and although the program resulted in over 200 calls from the public, no useful leads were gained, and this case quickly went cold.
Is it called ABC Murders because their names, their initials are always like matching? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's getting, yeah, it's getting protagonists very much so. I hate that for them. Yeah. So seven months after the death of Wanda Walkowitz, on the evening of November 26, 1973, 11-year-old Michelle Mensa was reported missing by her mother, Carolyn, after she didn't return home from school. So later investigations showed that Michelle was last seen by her classmates around 3.20 p.m., and she was walking alone to a shopping plaza that was close to the school. Apparently, she was going to go pick up her mom's purse that she had left there earlier that day. Okay. I mean, I guess around this time, it wasn't so wild that, like, 10 and 11-year-olds were doing this type of stuff. It yeah. was in the 70s, so. Um, about 10 minutes after arriving at the plaza, a witness saw Michelle sitting in the passenger seat of a beige or a tan car traveling at high speed on Ackerman Street before turning onto Webster Avenue in Rochester. According to this witness, Michelle was crying. So an hour later, a girl matching Michelle's description was seen at a fast food restaurant in the town of Penfield, accompanied by a white man between the ages of 25 and 35. They said he was around six feet tall and um, maybe like 165 pounds. So an hour later, around 5.30, a beige or tan car was parked on Route 350 through the town of Walworth. The driver was holding a girl by the waist as he inspected a flat tire. So a car drove by and the person um, hopped out offering them assistance. But when he got closer to the car, the man kind of pushed the girl behind him. and was like clearly not feeling this person walking up on him. And he even like moved closer to the license plate so that the person couldn't read the license plate. Mm. And um, this person that came to offer assistance just clearly felt the energy and was like, all right, I'm going to go. Yeah. So they left. Um, Michelle Mensa's fully clothed body was discovered at 10.30 a.m. on November 28th. The body was found lying face down in a ditch alongside a rural road in Maston, Macedon, I don't know, about 15 miles from Rochester. So her autopsy revealed extensive blunt force trauma to her body. She had been raped. She was then strangled to death from behind with a ligature. They thought it was like a thin rope. There were numerous strands of white cat hair discovered on her body, on her clothing. And she also had leaf samplings that matched the foliage where her body was discovered. And they were recovered from one of her hands that was clenched tight, which was really sad to hear. Um, this indicated that she had likely been strangled to death at or near the location where she was found. Um, investigators were able to get a palm print from her neck. I'm like, what the A palm fuck? print from her neck? Yeah. Oh, my God. And traces of semen on her body and her underwear. Forensic analysis showed that she was raped by one person. So her stomach contained the remains of a burger that was said to have been consumed an hour before her death. So this kind of confirmed the sighting that someone said that they saw somebody that looked like her at a fast food restaurant. And it showed that the death occurred sh shortly after she was spotted by that man um, trying to help them on Route 350. So again, hotlines were set up and rewards were offered, but there was nothing that came out of the tips. And this, this case went so cold. wild to me. How? How? Like so many people are... The, one of these things that happened in broad daylight. Right. And then like there are so many witnesses. How is nothing adding up? Like mm -hmm. no one got the license plate. Mm -hmm. Niggas' memories were like on twelve hundred back then because everybody they had didn't all have GPS and shit. Right. They need to know how. To get like I know somebody saw that license plate. Like 
that don't make no sense to me. They went inside the fast food restaurant, like yeah. I'm so confused. It's just like yeah, it it's like all of these people like I'm gonna mind my business was just a little too intense. Right. Because I'm gonna mind my business when it comes to a lot of stuff. But if I see somebody with a child and they clearly look in distress or this person is clearly trying to hide what they have going on, like call the police. Yeah. yeah. Immediately. Immediately. And when I hear stuff like this, it kind of I guess for me now it's like obvious why the seventies was like the decade of the serial killer. Because yes. like, yeah. y'all didn't care about shit. No. Y'all was leaving y'all doors unlocked. Y'all was just out here sending your kids for errands. Yeah. A ten year old for errands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely the fuck not. Like it was coming off of a time supposedly in American history where like everybody was living the dream and like mm-hmm. everything was safe and you mm-hmm. could just be free. It was like it's just diners and milkshakes. And it's like, no girl, it was not. <laughs> it, was, it was not. It was not. It was, not. <laughs> it was dark times ahead. Because what in the fuck? Yeah. Y'all didn't have that. They didn't have that trauma response from having to live in sundown towns and shit. But it's so weird to me because the bystander effect is a still a real thing. Like people have their phones now and they'll like record or like people have more access to like call for help quicker. But like people do still stand by. And I've I've been like I don't know, I've just been in conversations with people or like situations where people are like, Why are you making that your business? Bitch because literally nobody else is. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like if I see something weird going down, I'm definitely gonna say something. I don't, I don't know. Like, that's just, it's wild to me. People, like, will see no. something really awful happening and not do anything. 100%. It. I think people are scared that it's going to happen to them. Yeah. Last little story. This is very short. I was walking one time, and this dude was walking, like, way in front of me. And this car pulled up in the middle of the street, like, like covering both lanes. And he pulled out with this balled-up T-shirt in his hand. He was like, do you want this? He was like, you want this nigga? Like, you want this? And I thought, like, in my mind, I'm, it, it takes me a while to process information sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, he left his t-shirt in his friend's car. <laughs> and his friend just pulled up to give it to him. That's so sweet. <laughs> he pulled the t-shirt out of his hand. There was a gun underneath. Oh, no, bro. When he said, you want this, he meant, like, you want this. Like, do you want this? <laughs> Absolutely not. When I tell you, I never ran so fast in my life because I'm not trying to be a witness. I'm not trying to be no. a victim. I'm not trying to go down to the station and give my say. I'm not trying to do none of that shit. I'm sorry, I'm just picturing your face, like, as you're processing and realizing what's happening. You can listen. <laughs> and you just turn slowly. I don't know why I'm picturing it in slow motion. This is turning. <laughs> the turn is slow, but then the rest is like. <laughs> I think I'm like Sonic. I was like, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, no. Because some people just don't want to be witnesses or victims. That's so. 100%, 100% fair. That is 100% fair. Way before they'll actually fight these Very fair. Okay, let's get back to <laughs> Um. Okay, so we have those three young girls that were victims and now i'm gonna kind of lay out similarities between them in their cases so all of them were pre-adolescent young girl young girls they all disappeared from rochester in the early afternoon on days when it was raining all their bodies were later later discovered in nearby towns the body of each girl was either fully or partially clothed the bodies were all found close to an expressway that was easily accessible by vehicle they were all a quick trigger warning, they were all raped before being strangled to death. Wanda Walkowitz and Michelle Mint... I'm sorry, I think I wrote her name wrong and now I forgot what you it was. Mensa. Mensa, yeah. And Michelle Mensa both had ingested food shortly before their deaths. And these two young girls had been redressed after their death. Each child was, in sh- was short in height. They were all from Catholic families. They had all been poor. 
And they were all said to have been loners with few friends. Mm-hmm. And like Eliwa mentioned, the most sensationalized similarity in the reason for the name of the alphabet murders is that each girl has double initials. Their first and last name each start with the same letter. That's wild. So did the investigators think that that was like, like that the perpetrator like stalked the girls? Yeah. So they said um, both contemporary and current investigators say that if this is the reason why the young girls were selected because of their double letters, that that means that the perpetrator would have had to stalk their victims over a long period of time. And that would have put them at higher risk for for being noticed. Mm -hmm. So that kind of makes them feel like that's not the reason why they were um, chosen. Wild coincidence. It very much is. And you'll see it's even a wilder coincidence as I go, go through this. It feels like this person is like an administrator or somebody who has access to records because how could he know their names are double initials like that they do they do have like speculate um while they're going through suspects and stuff and that is one of the things that they speculated like some type of school official high up or somebody that's a part of like a church because they're all catholic um, from catholic families or something in some weird reason why they're obsessed with these double letters or it could just be coincidental because they all were the same age they all were kind of like petite you know so it could have been other things but yeah that's very scary Mm -hmm. so investigators believe that although the murders of wanda walkowitz and michelle mensa may have been connected to the same person they say that the overall mo of the murder of carmen cologne um, strongly indicates that her murderer was somebody that she knew as opposed to somebody who abducted her by force um there was also a different method of strangulation that happened in carmen's case suggesting that her murderer was different than the person that murdered wanted Michelle as well. And they had Miguel Colon as a strong suspect. And um, like I said, this factor led police to and investigators to believe that double initials was simply a coincidence because they then started to separate the um, murders from each other. So let's go through some suspects, people. Um, Miguel Colon, which I already talked about, he's highly suspected of killing his niece. Um, but as we spoke about, there was no physical evidence that linked him to the murder. So the police had to let him go. And in 1991, after shooting his wife and brother-in-law, Miguel committed suicide. So if he did have a hand in any of these murders, there is no legal justice that can be accomplished with that one. So they had another strong suspect. In Wait. <laughs> so he shot his wife and his brother-in-law? Yeah. And then himself? Yeah. Wouldn't that make him even more of a suspect? Yeah, but they can't. There's nothing that can be done with that. I think they like exhume his body, and th- is the DNA that wasn't popping yet, right? It's yeah, 91. Um, okay. So they thought that Carmen, they thought that Miguel killed Carmen. Mm-hmm. They didn't think that he was connected to the other ones, and they weren't able to get any DNA from Carmen. Oh. Like any DNA Damn, okay. of the okay. murderer. Gotcha, gotcha. So even if they did exhume, it wouldn't mean anything. Okay. Um, so they had another strong suspect and his name is Kenneth Bianchi. Um, at the time of these mur- the alphabet murders, he was an ice cream vendor in Rochester and he specifically worked at locations that were close to the first two murder scenes. He also drove a car that was similar to the one seen at the crime scenes. He had relocated from Rochester to LA in 1976. And it was there, if any of my true crime buffs are um, already know what I'm going to say, but it was there that him and his cousin, Angelo Buono Jr., committed the Hillside Strangler murders between 1977 and 1978, where they murdered 10 girls and young women between the ages of 12 and 28. So 
the Hillside Strangler murderers would cruise around L.A., and they would use fake IDs to persuade women and girls that they were undercover police officers. They would then drive their victims away and take them to Buono's home and torture, rape, and kill them. Kenneth Bianchi has denied any involvement in the alphabet murders and the alphabet murders, and he's repeatedly tried to get police to clear his name. But he is in jail for the Hillside murders. What? <clears throat> yeah. And like you said, this is the 70s. Oh, yeah. They got hella uh, serial killers, serial rapists running around. So another um, suspect is Dennis Termini. I'm sorry, I automatically don't trust anybody named Dennis. <laughs> I really don't. I only know one person named Dennis. Uh, I only know he's one He's a decent person. He's kind of cool. Same thing. Yeah, he's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dennis. <laughs> Okay, so Dennis was a 25-year-old Rochester firefighter at the time of the murders, and he eventually became a prolific serial offender known as the garage rapist. He is known to have committed a minimum of 14 rapes of teenage girls and young women between 1971 and 73. He also is known to have driven a beige car that was similar to the car seen by eyewitnesses. He's also known to have lived on Bach Street, which is very close to the area where Michelle was last seen alive. In five weeks after the death of Michelle Menza, who's the final victim of the Alphabet Murders, on January 1st, 1974, Termini is known to have attempted to abduct a teenage girl at gunpoint, mm-hmm. but she was he was scared off by her screams. He Shortly after, he abducted another potential victim, but he was pursued by police. Excuse me. This ended in Termini shooting himself in the head and dying by suicide. A subsequent forensic examination of Termini's car revealed traces of white cat fur on his upholstery. And in January of 2007, Dennis Termini's body was exhumed to obtain DNA to compare it to semen samples that were recovered from Wanda's body. And the results showed that he was not responsible. There was no physical evidence retrieved from Carmen or Michelle's bodies to compare it to Termini's DNA. So Kenneth Bianchi wasn't the only California serial killer with links to Rochester. And this is when our final suspect, Joseph Nasso, is introduced. In April of 2011, a 77-year-old man named Joseph Nasso was arrested in Reno, Nevada, for the murders of four women in California committed between 1977 and 1994. All of them were believed to have been sex workers. Oh, wow. So the reason why this connects, why he is connected to the case is number one, he's a New York native who lived in Rochester during the early 90s, I'm sorry, early 1970s. And he's known to have regularly traveled between New York and California. And the other connection was that those four murders that he committed in California all had the first same first letter of their first and last name. Oh my god! One of them was named Roxanne Rogosh. Two Pamela Parsons. Three Tracy Tafoya. I thought you said two Pamela Parsons. I was like, two people named Pamela Parsons. No, 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 no. Freaking me the fuck out. Yeah, this is very stressful. The fourth person, chillingly, shared the same name as one of the alphabet murder victims, Carmen Cologne. Wow. Fucking creepy. 
So DNA testing confirmed that NASA's DNA is not a match to the semen samples recovered from the body of Wanda Walkowitz. He was brought to trial on June 18, 2013, and was charged with the four California murders. And he was unanimously convicted of each murder on August 20th. And on November 22nd, 2013, NASA was formally sentenced to death. Jesus. So in 2009, the Democrat and Chronicle newspaper published a series of articles focusing on the ongoing police investigation into the alphabet murders. These articles resulted in the Rochester Police Department receiving about 20 leads of inquiry, and they pursued those leads, but nothing came of them. And don't hate me, but this is an unsolved case. <laughs> unsolved but i had to do this one this one is so wild mm-hmm. and like what the fuck was going on in rochester in the 70s that so many serial fucking murderers came from there y'all wow. had so many connections that had all of those things in common that is prolific crazy. on that their so own right like no wow. but you know what they i think what they fucked up was they thought that there was one person involved in alphabet race i think it's because I, I remember you said one of the victims was like thrown out of a moving car or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Ain't no fucking way. Like because even if you have a person like even if you're driving with somebody sitting in your lap and you open the door while you're driving, you throw that person out and then you close the door. That's just too much. You're mm-hmm. saying that you think more than one person did yeah. it together. Obviously. Now they might have been sexually assaulted by one person, but there was definitely like a lookout or a driver or something like that with mm-hmm. them. And one of them I mean I'm not saying that it had to have been one of the suspects, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like Two of those, two or three of those suspects were like working together, mm-hmm. and that's why the semen doesn't match this one, but the semen matches this one, but the semen doesn't match it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, like that. Yeah, thing. yeah, um, yeah. No, so it's just in theory. Because like to throw somebody out of a movement, like I'm, I'm picturing like somebody being in the back seat and then doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that's true. And then there the white cat. So hair. many witnesses, so many witnesses of the three separate ones, mm-hmm. and like. Those people did, like, point out that there was only the man in the child. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. And also, I think that... How do we not have a fucking physical description of this guy? Is, Rock, is only, Rochester the, white? It's like, it's like a really white town? No. Because, is it small? Like, I don't I don't know the whole demographics and culture of Rochester. I, Rochester, I think, because I actually feel like I looked this up last time that you had... Because, um, you know, with... This is random, but I'm making a point. With the Atlanta child murders, one of the points that they figured out was that, like, all of the kids who got in the car with him, like, they they wouldn't have done that if he wasn't black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. So I feel like whoever he was, he matched the exact culture of the area. Like, maybe, yeah. like, nobody knew him or whatever, and nobody could be like, oh, he's a good guy, he would do this. But, like, the car, the dress, like, the way that he moved through, you know... Uh, I guess like traffic or whatever the fuck like it just never bothered anybody and they probably didn't have that many break-ins they probably didn't have that many supposed well before this murders um same thing with the hitchhikers in Australia like there just Mm -hmm. wasn't just just wasn't this didn't really happen in the 50s and the 60s often as you would need it to for people to be on high alert like that right so that's probably why they just didn't say anything not saying it was right but like that's well, Car- so Carmen Cologne is Latinx, okay. and I, I, as an outsider, I think it was her uncle. 
I don't know if he did the other ones, but her case was different than everybody else's in a lot of ways. Yeah. And they said that she, out of everybody, they felt like she was getting into a car with somebody that she knew. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I feel um, like all three were done by him. You think so? I think that it, it makes sense. Also, to for the end result to be him killing himself, and then them not being able to cross-match the sperm from Wanda's body to him mm-hmm. because they don't have the physical evidence to get, like, that kind of a warn, I guess, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, is the, the... I feel like the key piece that's missing from, like, tying everything together. Like, I feel like he was on some weird shit and it started with his, like, obsession maybe with his niece mm-hmm. and then, like... Because they all happened pretty close together. Mm-hmm. Like, 71 to 73, right? Yeah. Like... I think that makes that makes the most sense to me. But it's also like, and I don't know if this, I mean, Joseph Nasso, when I was looking into his story a little bit, his shit is fucking wild. Like, I feel like maybe we should do an episode on him. I'll probably do him next week. Yeah, I think Ooh, you should, because yeah. it's a lot. Like, these murders that he was convicted for is not even close to what this motherfucker did. What the like, fuck? I won't get into it, but they found journals and pictures and, like, stuff dating back to like 1915 like shit like that and i it's like too coincidental that he was also like murdering and looking or potentially looking for people with the same like pattern in their thing that shit's like that's alarming and he's also from rochester I don't know. Yeah, don't know. that's yeah. No, that's I don't so know. But I mean, if if all these investigators and police from the seventies up till now couldn't figure it out, I don't know if we would be able to. But mm-hmm. I genuinely want to know what do police do? Like, because every time we do a story, it's always about what y'all don't do. Y'all not finna run into school when there's kids being shot. Mm. Y'all not finna return people's shit when they get robbed. Y'all not finna do nothing. People's rape kits are dating back 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. What the fuck do y'all do? Y'all pull people over for tickets because they ran a red light. Y'all get people for speeding. You get you pick somebody up for domestic violence, y'all let them go two days later. Like, let me know. If it's a cop listening to this, please email me. <laughs> let me know what do y'all do. Because right now it's just looking like it's just looking like free money to be a cop. Maybe that's why so many people are signing up for this shit. Because if you, all you gotta do is just sit in your car and pull people over for fucking running a stop sign, shit. Mm-hmm. No wonder they're doing this shit. Don't Ooh. do nothing. Not lying, friends. I was about to say you better speak on it. <laughs> but that was still. I mean, even though it was unsolved, I thought we was gonna get down to like this. I was like, I, was, I, thought, I, was like, I thought it was gonna be a clear like, yeah, this yeah. person did it, but never got convicted type shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally on the I purposely didn't include any indication that it was unsolved until the end. <laughs> Okay, so that was the alphabet murders. They're also known as the double initial murders, and it is unsolved. So I don't know. Maybe we can do an update hopefully soon and figure out what happened to these young girls. All right. Okay, should this be a crime? Isn't he? Yeah. Um, Should this be a crime? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make some up on the spot. No, let me stick to the classics. <laughs> Give us what we want. <laughs> um, so for our Should This Be a Crime this week, I have an article here from the New York Post titled, Sabbath Service Derails After a Couple Begins Having Sex on Zoom. 
I just want to know how the fuck is this possible? Because <laughs> when they have the digital service. Um, so here, let's get into okay, it. Yeah, yeah. This was some Sabbath service, exclamation point. A randy couple who zoomed into services at a Minneapolis synagogue hosting a bot mitzvah forgot to turn off their camera as they began to make a mitzvah of their own. Hosting a bot mitzvah? Isn't that for kids that are like 15? Yeah, it's for girls. Who are 13? 13. Canoodling in full view of verklempt congregants who were subjected to the softcore sideshow for nearly an hour. Wait. Y'all didn't disconnect the Zoom or somebody called them I was up? like, nobody knew how to like turn off their camera for them. Isn't that a thing? I know you can mute people. Can yeah. you turn off other people's video? I don't know I'm about pretty sure you can. You, but, I mean, I, you, you, can kick, you can kick them out, right? There's also that. Yeah, no, somebody was being missed. I don't know. It's from the, it's from the New York Post. Let's, let's <laughs> the impromptu version of Debbie Does Deuteronomy unfolded May 14th in the Twin Cities Temple Bethel. It went on for about 45 minutes. One person said one person who saw the video and requested anonymity. She was walking around naked. She got dressed. She's in and out of the Zoom. He was in the bed. He lifted out. She started going to work. Someone on the Zoom saw and called her and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're on camera. She freaked out. It was a Zoom for a bot mitzvah. Most people were not on camera except like the old bubbies who don't know how to turn off their camera and these two people. So the boxes were pretty big and everyone could see it was on camera. The unnamed couple appears to have fallen victim to the uniquely pandemic era problem of accidentally leaving your Zoom camera on before engaging in private behavior, known informally as online, online as pulling a tubin. The incident is named for CNN legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin, who began pleasuring himself on a live Zoom call with staff for the New Yorker in October 2020. I feel like I remember yeah, seeing that. Yeah, it was yeah. a big deal. <laughs> the magazine fired him, but CNN allowed him to return to the air after a brief suspension. Sex on Shabbat is specifically specifically encouraged in the Talmud, and some consider it to be a mitzvah or good deed. Hmm. While synagogue grandees have moved to lock up the story and keep it from spreading, lurid still images of the couple swiftly begin circulating online. <laughs> I'm aware of the incident and won't be commenting on the details, said Matt Walzer, managing director of Temple Beth L. First of all, <laughs> what that name like Debbie does do Deuteronomy? <laughs> I think it must be some kind of like <laughs> inside joke thing for church folks. Debbie does Deuteronomy. I don't oh, know. That is hilarious. I mean, oh it's just like funny and unfortunately embarrassing. But yeah. if the sex is encouraged during that time, that like, doesn't make sense. It has to be some kind of joke. This is one of the screens stills. Screenshots. Is she eating that? It's good for her. Let me see. I think they looked into the screen. Oh my gosh. She'd be like, oh shit, everyone can see us. But my thing is like, if you go and have sex, just don't just don't go to the Zoom call. Yeah. That's did they have to go? Was it mandatory? I mean if it's a bot mitzvah, it may have been for like their niece or like their granddaughter. But y'all couldn't like calm your tits for the 30 <laughs> minutes you needed to be on zoom no for real during a kid's birthday party like yes, it's just yeah, not like you just want to hear like that in the background while you're getting to it listen maybe oh they turn God. the volume all the way down no <laughs> they definitely should have double triple quadruple checked That's make so sure funny. that green light not on and turn your laptop around and have that fake background filter put a sticker over the camera yeah why don't you oh, have that all the precautions right it's so funny because in the beginning of quarantine like that those shits were going viral all the time but we've been in quarantine for 10 years now <laughs> not <laughs> 10 years <laughs> y'all should know what to do yeah, and no. when to do it we're not amateurs anymore I agree if Carter didn't laugh I would have believed you when you said 10 years I was like yeah <laughs> but no <laughs> 
We should know. That is so fun. I mean, there <laughs> there were so many people that could have fixed this. Situation. No, it definitely yeah. was. They were being messy. Yeah, they were definitely being messy. I mean, they said that like they were walking around naked before they. Right. Even... Somebody could have gave her a heads up. Yeah, yeah. that's embarrassing. Whoever was hosting the the call should have been like. Deborah and Harold, we can see your naughty bits. Right. Like, yes. Turn off the camera. Oh my god. Well, should it be a crime? I do think the context of doing it while on a bot mitzvah bot call is very fucking weird. Yeah, it's very I weird. It is very point. weird. But also, given the religious context, I think it should be a sin. Pick <laughs> <laughs> it up with your God. God is watching. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know who else he's watching. He's giving the state the world. But he's definitely watching your ass. Right. <laughs> that Zoo car. Okay, well, no, Jewish people aren't the ones that have confession. Uh-uh. No, it's Catholic. Uh-huh. Like, See, I don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever y'all's punishment is, y'all do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Oh, my gosh. Um, what you know, guys? It's like I kind of I want to love that for them, like getting away with sex on the phone call, but I don't. Well, they definitely didn't get away with it. That's what I'm saying. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I want to like I want to root for y'all, like you know this whole culture around like you know what you're doing at home and you have to be on this particular call and stuff like that. This shit is boring mm-hmm. and it's fucking suffocating for a lot of people. Not even, but, <laughs> but but uh, y'all didn't take any precautions yeah. and then other people didn't jump uh, in and say yeah no. So yeah, I'm just gonna say it's a sin and you know <laughs> I hope you know they don't press charges or something. I don't fucking is that a sex offense? I don't know. <laughs> it's a, damn, I don't think I haven't heard of any kind of a what do you call it a pre um, you know a precedent. I haven't heard of any precedent yeah. for that. Yeah, because I know like obviously public sex is a crime. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you was having sex at a kid's birthday party, somebody would say something. I mean, you might not get arrested, but something. Nah, you probably don't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. At a kid's birthday party? Yeah, yeah. No. Absolutely the fuck not. I would not even be turned on if kids were in the vicinity. So no. Like, the fact that in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, my niece is whatever happens at a bat mitzvah. Like, that that, that turns you on? They really did have it turned down. Because if somebody even said, like, turn off your camera, and they didn't hear it. Yeah. I mean, it could have been giving that. Like, I've been on plenty of Zoom calls where I just turn the volume all the way down, oh, yeah. make my camera off, my sound off, all that. But I make sure that my camera's off and my sound is off. Right. Yeah. When I'm on a Zoom call, I check the mute button every five minutes. Yeah. Right. Just, I'm, in case. <laughs> just in case. I'm too paranoid. <laughs> but me, like, my all of my meetings are, like, while I'm doing my work. So, like, I'm always, like, at the library. So I never really had that issue before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that you know, if I'm like sitting at home or whatever and I'm trying to get away with watching Stranger Things while I'm on a Zoom call, yeah, I'm going to be checking that microphone every couple minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably not even going to have the video on because if y'all see me reacting and stuff like that, y'all know it ain't because of no fucking itinerary. Like, <laughs> I'm obviously doing some other shit. So. They're like, and then at 11 p.m. <laughs> at 11 a.m., we'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're a bitch. Someone was on Zoom having sex during a meeting. Stop! Shut the fuck ah! up! Yeah. I don't know if she got fired or she quit, but she definitely ain't come back the next day. I'm gonna have to do both, because that's too fucking yeah, no. <laughs> And change my name. Right. So when they tell the story, I'm like, ooh, damn, who was that? She don't exist yeah. anymore. Right. Were they on video or on uh, unmuted? I think it was just the sound. Oh. 
Almost worse. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Would y'all rather be on video or un- unmuted? If you were accidentally having sex, if I had to choose one or the other, one or the other, I think I would rather be unmuted just because, like, you could. There's some coming back. Like, nobody's gonna believe you, but you could be like, "Oh, it was the TV." Yeah, it was. You know, so they started calling out your partner's name. My roommate, (laughs) please stop. Now we start getting specific. I don't know what you're gonna do. But like video, you clocked in 4K. Like I saw no, your face. I see your titties. Right, like, that's true. Hooter, like that's true. they got, you know, Netflix got a lot of sexy shit coming out. Like uh, <laughs> 365, with that, the bitch who got kidnapped just so she can have good sex. Like oh my god, I haven't uh, heard about that. What? It was a whole sensation when it came out. So it was like this woman, she got like kidnapped or something. And I guess she began like a love affair with the nigga who kidnapped her. Or something. I didn't watch it because that shit is ridiculous. It's giving Tyler Perry the life for white people. <laughs> and so. um yeah, and then there was the other one, Sex Life, where um, I, I guess like out, the, apparently, yeah, it's a, it's a whole bunch of them. I need to the, the, the password to the XXX part of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, 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 oh, okay. Netflix XX. <laughs> Walk in the desert for 40 days. Y'all gonna be embarrassed the rest of your life. You'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll never be invited to another function. So I'm sure. Right. And your niece is gonna be talking about it. <laughs> right. right. Never speak to you again. And they all gonna right. make fun of her for the rest of the time. But you guys know are forever. Forever. <laughs> Remember your badness, son? <laughs> no, bitch. I know. I repressed the memory. <laughs> For me and my therapy to discuss. <laughs> I'm tired. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all be safe out here on these Zoom streets. Yeah. Please. Please don't. Um, watch yourselves. We still have stickers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have plenty of stickers. Um, leave us a review and then take a screenshot and send it to our email, ianakillapodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And send it along with your address, and Carter will be sending you a sticker. Yes, and a little note. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Ionakilla Podcast, and then on Twitter at Ionakilla Pod. And you can join our Facebook group. It's Okay, that. I didn't know what the hell. That's a long ass name. Join us on there. We're talking more, interacting with y'all, and having a great time. And you can listen to us anywhere we can find a podcast. Apparently, Stitcher is a thing now. We're like, oh, we're going to get Stitcher Premium. I'm like, oh, what is that? Mm. So, yeah, you can listen to us there. You can listen to us at the big, you know, two Apple, Spotify, and anywhere where you can find podcasts. All right. <laughs> 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 Bye, Killer Bees. Bye, Killer Bees. <laughs>